already heard. Just taking a little back here this morning. I wasn't planning on preaching. Uh, now I came ready. I'm not going to be like one of these guys. I didn't come thinking to preach. I mean, I came ready to preach, but I, he, just, he just caught me off guard that he called on me. But I've got a message, and I hope that it'll be a blessing to you. Uh, Galatians chapter 4, and uh, I'll get with it here and get out of the way, and we'll get, uh, get on to another preacher here in just a moment. Galatians chapter number 4, if you found your place, say amen. amen. Now, I say that the, ch- that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements uh, of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. That felt pretty good. I want to read that one more time. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Many of you were not at church yesterday at Bible, and we were. Uh, we began, and I said that my part, if it be the Lord's will for me to preach anymore this week, I... I talked about yesterday, I talked about the subject of doctrine and how and what it means and how that we need to understand doctrine and how that we need to understand what we believe and why we believe it. This morning, we dealt a lot yesterday morning with just the definition of doctrine and how it applies to our life. But this morning, I want to specifically get into Uh, a specific doctrine that you and I should hold dear to our life and what it means to you and I. And I want to simply preach this morning on the doctrine of adoption. The doctrine of adoption. There's three things that I'd like to bring to your attention this morning. I want to talk to you about the meaning of adoption, the message of adoption, and then closing, I want to talk to you about the miracle of adoption. The Bible said in verse number five to redeem them that were under the law that that we might receive the adoption of sons. And I just want to let you know I'm sure thankful this morning that somebody chose to adopt me. And it wasn't just any old somebody that stumbled into my life one day and accidentally picked me up and gave me the life that I have, but Jesus passed by and he picked me out and he picked me up and he adopted me and put me into the greatest family this world has ever known. He has been my father. He has been my friend. He has been everything I've needed him to be and more. And I want to show you, first of all, the meaning of adoption. 
Adoption means the placing of a son. It is the placing of one rightfully outside the blood ties into the position of a legal child into the family. It is a legal metaphor as regeneration is a physical one. It means the taking by one man of a son of another to be his son so that the son has the same advantages of a son by birth. Did I read that too fast? Because I think only four of you got a hold of it. Let me slow down and say something about it. It is the placing of one rightfully outside the blood ties into the position of a legal child into the family. It is a legal word. Adoption is a legal term. And what it does is it takes somebody, it takes a child outside of the blood ties and it brings him into a position legally into the family as a child that has been born into that family. There is no difference. Can I say there was a day you and I had no blood ties into this family called the family of God. We were on the outside looking in. We could see it, but we wasn't a part of it. But then something happened one day called adoption in our life. And we were brought into this family. And it also is a legal metaphor, though the regeneration is a physical one, and it means the taking by one man of a son of another to be his son. And can I say to you, according to the word of God, the Bible said that you and I before were saved, we were of our father, the devil. But you know what Jesus did? When he saved our soul, he by adoption took us as a son from another father and we became his son. Aren't you glad this morning that he's able to take somebody who had no blood tie, who had no relation, who was outside of the family looking in on the goodness of a heavenly father on his children and he took somebody like you and me and brought us in to the family of God and now we're his and he is ours. I say hallelujah. Thank God this morning for the message of adoption. He goes on, the definition goes on to say it's not the, it's the taking by one man of a son of another to be his son so that the son has the same advantages of a son by birth. Amen. So that the son has the same advantages of a son by birth. Can I say to you this morning, I want you to know there's only one son of God. God's only begotten son. But I'm telling you, he's looking at me through him this morning. And I have all the advantages, Brother Haney, of a son. Hallelujah, friend. I'm telling you, if it ever dawns on you, some of you live with your lip dragging the ground and your head bent over like God's never been good to you. But I want you to know we've got all of heaven's advantages this morning because we've been adopted into the family of an almighty God. Regeneration begins the new life in the soul. 
Justification deals with the new attitude of God towards that soul. But adoption admits a man into the family of God with filial joy. Amen. Have you ever seen a man get adopted into the family of God? Are you listening to me? I can remember Brother Gravely when we were standing, well, I guess it was last year, we were having that Thursday afternoon service. All these young people up here in the choir, all of a sudden, one of the, uh, one of the little ladies from Culpeper uh, came down and got in the altar over here. And just a little while later, all them young people and people getting saved everywhere. But I watched that tall drink of water uh, come walking out of the choir with tears running down his eyes. And he come down here and got a hold of my neck. He said, Daddy, he said, I need to get saved. We bowed right there where he's a sitting, called on God. I'm talking about watching somebody get adopted into the family of God. And all of a sudden, with filial joy, people begin to shout and cry. And some begin to run and rejoice because a son had come into the family. (laughs) Regeneration has to do with a change in nature. Justification has to do with our change in standing. Sanctification has to do with our change in character. But adoption has to do with our change in position. I have been positionally changed through adoption. I'm gonna get a little ahead of myself right here for a moment, but I want you to understand that regeneration I mean, it all happens at the same time. You just can't see it. I appreciate what Brother Dean said about how that the regeneration part is what you feel, so to speak. You can feel it take place in your life. Uh, but adoption, you don't know what heaven's signing papers on you uh, while you're getting born again. Uh, you can't see the legal aspect of what's going on when God walks down and plucks you out of that other father's hands and he stands him up and said now here's the legal document and I'm signing it in blood and the devil's refusing to let you go and God forces him into a contract hallelujah I'm telling you you can't see it but while you're feeling it heaven's writing it down and recording it and he's adopted us into his family Adoption has to do with our change in position. I'm in him. He's in me. See, salvation births us into the family. But adoption places us into that rightful position. There's no waiting period. I have all the rights right now that any son has. Amen. I have all the privileges that any son has. I am positionally in him through adoption. In regeneration, the believer becomes a child of God. But in, the, in adoption, the believer, which this is what I've already said, the believer who already is a child receives a place as an adult son. I'm reminded of David. David had experienced the grace of God in his life. <laughs> 
And David sitting there around the table one day said, Hey, is there any left of the household of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him for Jonathan's sake? They said, there's one down there in Lodabar. David said, go and get him. You know, he had been lame by a fall. They brought him in and set him down at the table. And I'm sure in that first setting, and that first meal, he didn't know how to put his hands on the utensils. He didn't know which fork to use at what time, which cup he needed to drink out of. I'm telling you, he had left a place, honey, where they were struggling to find a meal. And now he's sitting at a table, and it's dressed to the night. He don't even know what to reach for next. Are you listening to me? That's the kind of life I came out of. Amen. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to turn. Then all of a sudden, here I sat with the people of God. And man, it just seemed out of place for a little while. But David, I'm sure, in his comforting way, looked over and said, Now, son, he said, All you see sitting here, it's all yours. You don't take a back seat to nobody. He said, You can have anything you want anytime you want it he said you just reach and get it and don't you worry if it's a little out of order place of an adult son Schaefer said this adoption signifies the placing of a newborn child in point of maturity into the position of privilege and responsibility Attached to an adult son. I need to say that again. Adoption signifies the placing of a newborn child into the point of maturity, into the position of privilege. We want to shout there, right? Thank God for the privileges of an adult son. I don't have time to talk to you about the prodigal right here, but uh, there are privileges, especially in this day, that the adult son had over the younger son. And I don't have time to deal with that, but I want you to understand there are some privileges that you and I, you need to quit letting the devil and your flesh talk you out of all your privileges. You've been adopted. You've been placed not just as any son, but as an adopt son. You have a privilege. But it also comes with responsibility. Anytime there's privilege in life, there's responsibility in that privilege. And it comes with responsibility. I want to read this to you, Schaefer, again. Here's what he's saying. The naturally born child is by adoption advanced positionally into his, majority, uh, uh, into his majority and given at once the standing of an adult son. Since spiritual adoption occurs at the time one is saved and thus becomes a child of God, there is no childhood period recognized in the Christian's experience. There's only one reference to that anyway in the Bible, and that's in 1 Corinthians 3, 1. Talking about babes in Christ. And here's what he said. He said, that sustains no relation to an immaturity which is due to brief experience with the Christian life. It is a reference to limitations which belong to an unspiritual or carnal state. 
The believer who is carnal may have been saved for many, many years. But carnal they are and immature. The moment you're saved, there is no childhood period. When you, Listen, these babies here, think about all these babies. We got several in our church and more are coming. And I love it. But man, you take a newborn baby and they, there is a, the process they have to go through. You cannot force it. It is something you just have to wait and watch and go through with them. Not so with a believer. The moment the believer is done, you were shouting just a minute ago when I was talking about the privileges of adoption and how immediately those papers are signed in heaven and were immediately made a child of God, ushered into the family with privilege, but there's also responsibility. There's no childhood period. What I'm saying to you is this. Every Christian has the opportunity to grow in Christ at an alarming rate. You say, well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, if I were to hand you a million dollars this morning, does it automatically become your responsibility of how to handle that kind of money? Or do you have to mature into it and after you've blown three quarters of it, then it's your responsibility to take care of the rest? I think there's been a false doctrine being taught in our churches through the years that we just allow things to happen in people's lives because, you know, well, they just hadn't been saved all that long. And I just say this, if the same Holy Ghost living in you is the same Holy Ghost this Bible talks about and the same Holy Ghost living in me, here's what the Bible said. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You know what he come for? He come to guide us in the all truth and where that scripture is quoted that's not talking to sinners he's talking to his people those that are saved by the grace of God I'm telling you there is a responsibility to the adopted son the meaning of adoption number two I see the message of adoption the message of adoption a couple of things I want to mention to you right here Number one, I would say the message of adoption is a message of grace. <laughs> it's a message of grace. Now, they're not here this morning. Their mother's here. But I got three nephews that are at their grandmother's, their grandparents' house. And uh, those three boys, they don't, they don't even know it, Brother Blue. They're, they're so small, and even if you tried to explain it to them, they wouldn't understand it. But God so privileged my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law, they thought they couldn't have any children. And uh, so they began to get in the foster system. And they told the foster system, they said, well, we would be interested in adopting if we can adopt as a baby, as a, as a child, as a newborn or a toddler. And they said, well, that's very, very hard. Nobody usually ever gets to do that, but we'll keep that in mind. Wasn't long, they got a phone call for the first one. And guess what? He was a baby. Wasn't long after him, they got a call for another one. Guess what? Newborn. Wasn't long after that, got another call. He was a newborn. And the next thing you know, they blinked their eyes. And there's three little boys living in their home that they never thought they'd have. 
have. Are you listening to me? I'm going somewhere now. I'm talking about a message of grace here. They, I mean, those little boys had nothing to do with them being adopted. First of all, they wasn't adopted. They were just brought into the home and they were taken care of and they were loved on and made to feel welcome. But after just a little while, Brother Dorsey, they called and said, what do y'all think about adopting them? They said, hey, we'd love to adopt them. And can I just say this? It reminds me of the church. When I showed up, I didn't, listen, I'd been a few times and didn't get saved, but they loved on me and they cared about me and they kept wanting to pull me in and let me know that they cared. But oh, thank God for the day that they said, hey, if you'll come, we'll take you. I'm telling you, I had nothing. Are you listening to me? Those boys had nothing to do with their adoption. Their mom and daddy walked in, signed the papers, done it all for them so they could have the life. (laughs) So they could have the life. They could have the life that they have. And God laughed after all the boys were adopted. God laughed and said, now, I'm going to give you a daughter. <laughs> and my sister-in-law, I told her, I turned 42 this past week, and she was having a baby over 40, and I said, I don't envy you one bit. But God smiled on her, and after she adopted them three, <laughs> that's how it works in church, ain't it? We don't think we can have them. But all of a sudden, if we'll just love on people, Brother Tim, and we'll keep putting our arms around them and welcoming them and hugging on them and loving on them, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, one will leak out and another one will leak out and another one will leak out. And about the time we think that one that can't ever get saved, here they'll come down an old-fashioned altar and get born again by the grace of God. I say hallelujah. Thank God it is a message solely holy of grace. If you did something to save you, you didn't get saved. Not only is it a message of grace, but adoption is a message of genealogy. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now hold on. Somebody better get a hold of your neighbor right here. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now. Woo! I'm not waiting to be a son. I'm not hoping to be a son. Them three boys, you know what they call her? Oh, blessed God. You know what they call her? They call her mama. You know what they call my brother-in-law? They call him daddy. You know what they call me? They call me Uncle Eric. They don't know any different. I don't know any different. Thank God. I'm glad I'm just part of the family. Now are we the sons of God. Now are we the sons of God. It's a message of genealogy. I think about them. I think about them Gentile girls in Matthew chapter number one in that lineage and genealogy. They should have never showed up in. Oh, when you read about their life and you read about their sin, you get to point the finger until you look in the mirror and realize, oh God, that's me. I don't belong in that line. I don't belong in that lineage. But thank God I've been adopted into his family. 
Adoption's a message of grace. It's a message of genealogy. It's a message of what we're going to be. Romans 8, 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit. The redemption of the body. It's a message of what we're going to be. It's a me- I, I, y'all know this is true. You kids, you might as well face it. I mean, you don't have to be everything. My daddy's still lost. But I was growing up and they said, man, you're a spitting image, your daddy. I thought y'all were crazy. Kept growing up, they said, you're the spitting image, your daddy. I said, man, y'all are nuts, y'all are crazy. And I'm gonna tell you, the more I get around my daddy, now that I'm 42, the more I get around him, I go, oh my God, I'm the spitting image of my daddy. <laughs> are you listening? And some of you girls, you're the spitting image of your mama. But oh, I long for the day, for the redemption of this body and what we're gonna be. I've been adopted into a family and one day I'm gonna be just like my father, just like my father. And when you see him, you'll see me. I'm gonna be just like my father. Number three. I not only see the meaning of adoption, the message of adoption, but I see the miracle of adoption. I don't have time to deal with this, but let me just say very, very quickly, sometimes we overlook the full significance of a miracle by just focusing on the act that takes place and not giving any attention to all of the blessings that accompany the act. You understand? I mean, if you're not careful, you'll just, you'll just be focusing on the resurrection of Lazarus and not the effect. Sometimes we get hung up on those things. But I want you to know there are many blessings that come into our lives through one miracle that took place. <laughs> through one miracle that took place, there's all these blessings attached to it. I didn't know that when I got saved. All I knew is I was on my way to hell and God convinced me of it and he told me he loved me and would save me and that's all I needed. That's all I need. I didn't know there was all these things attached to it. I, I, I just couldn't mention them. I don't have time to deal with the scriptures but through adoption were the objects of his peculiar love. We're the objects of his peculiar love. You hear me? I may not leave this one. I got four minutes. You hear me? Listen to me. For God so loved the world. That's wonderful. That includes everybody. Red, yellow, black, brown, white. It doesn't matter from what country, continent. It doesn't matter from what city or county. For God so loved the world. Oh, but you hear me. That's not peculiar love. Are you listening to me? Peculiar love is that love between a father, between a father and mother and their children. I love every one of these young people in my church, but I don't love them like their mom and daddy loves them. I can't be good to them like their mom and daddy 
daddy can. I'm telling you, Brother Haney, I've got a heavenly father since I've been adopted. He not only loves me with an eternal love like he loves the world, he's been good to this preacher. Oh, I'm telling you, he's been mighty, mighty, mighty good to me. He's loved me when he never should have. We're also the objects of his fatherly care. (laughs) Think about every need he's met, every prayer he's answered, every time he showed mercy when he should have showed judgment. (laughs) His fatherly care. I don't even have time to read the script. Listen, (laughs) we, we, we have the family name. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Behold what manner of love the Father had bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. I say hallelujah, bless his name, glory to God, hallelujah. We have the family name. I ain't never known my family to be much. I love them, but I mean, I don't even know my dad's side of the family. We ain't never had one family reunion. And the the ones on my mom's side of the head, all they did was get together and talk about each other. Are you listening? I thought, Lord, I, I mean, I'm not a Rockefeller and I'm not a... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a Kennedy and I'm not, a, I'm not, I, there's nothing attached to me. But oh, 123 years ago at an old fashioned altar, I got hooked up with a family. I got hooked up with a family name. Hallelujah. I'm glad to be identified with this crowd. I'm glad to have the family name. Amen. I might have got ahead of myself right here, but we do share the family likeness. Whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate. I'm not even shaking. Hey, you know what I realize? If, if, if the Calvinists ever really got this subject of adoption down, they wouldn't even be a Calvinist anymore. Are you listening to me? Why? Cause, honey, that don't have 
predestination don't have anything to do with eternity's business of a man's eternal destination. Oh, but it has everything to do with what he's doing in us and on us and through us once we're in the family. Now, I'm only 42, but I would say when I was when I when I was, when I was a kid, the neighbors would still whip you if you needed it. But nobody did it like my daddy, and nobody did it like my mama. My dad, he didn't have to hit me much. A couple of three times, that's all I needed from him. Son, mama chased me down over the top of my head, around my rear end, my legs, my back, and wherever she could get me if that's what she had to do to get my attention. Say, so what are you saying? I'm sharing in the family likeness. I'm glad there's a father that when I step out of line, he's there to correct me and deal with me and pull me in. Hallelujah, I gotta shut it down. Listen. I tell you, the miracle of adoption, we enjoy the family love. <laughs> we know, we know we passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. <laughs> I drove through Dalton on Friday or Saturday morning I had my two youngest with me. We drove down there to Tijuana's best Mexican restaurant in the whole United States of America. And when we pulled around that corner, my wife got to saying, remember that place? And remember that place? She said we used to cruise town right down here. <laughs> Oh, I remember those nights, Brother Blue, we'd go down there cruising town, and there's a crazy, red-headed young preacher who'd turn purple and scream and yell. And I didn't know who he was, but he was a preaching the Word of God and handing out tracts. Oh, it wasn't long God got a hold of my heart, and I hated that crowd. I, I, I thought they were insane. Just leave us alone. Won't you mind your own business? Do your own thing on Sunday, but leave us alone. I'm sure glad every Saturday night while we were raising hell, they were raising up Jesus for us to see. Hallelujah. Oh, bless his name. And God reached down and put me in that same family. And it wasn't long. I was down there on the same street corner preaching the same message, handing out the same tracks. Hey, we share in the family love, amen. There ain't nobody that loves like family loves. <laughs> they say beauty's in the eyes of the beholder. And you see that no more prevalent than in the family. And the world would still look at you and me and say, I don't know what that crowd sees in each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when we were praying for you. That's right. 
your wife would beg everybody, please pray for my husband. She'd lay at an altar, cry out to God and pray. And we've all prayed for you. That's right. Here you sit, amen. And I love you and I hope you love me. One day you ain't gonna be able to help but love me if you don't now, amen. Hallelujah. Thank God for the family love. Uh, We get to take part in the family service. I'm still here, Brother Blue, in class. God help. Haunts me at night sometimes. Boys! That's right. Somebody had done something wrong or he had been in a bad meeting the week before, took it out of us on Monday night. (laughs) He'd get that high-pitched voice going in that classroom, son. It cuts you like a knife. I just started pastoring my first church, working a full-time job, and going to Bible college four nights a week. And I'd sit there and watch Brother Blue. I'd say, God, if somehow you could touch my mind like you touched his. And let me say things like he says it. Because he helps people when he talks. And little did I know that God would ever, <laughs> he'd ever let me have a part in a family service. We receive fatherly comfort. But I, I close by saying this we receive our father's inheritance. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. The miracle of adoption. I get to share in my father's inheritance. It's, I don't know why 10 of you ain't running around the building throwing chairs. And... Did, did y'all not hear what Brother Dean said? Did y'all not hear what the preacher said? He's talking about, he preached for me two weeks ago. He's talking about his testimony and I know where he's from and he knows where I'm from. And he thought about getting saved and all he had was two tapes and the, was it the Mormon Tabernacle Choir? Two preaching tapes in the Mormon Tabernacle Choir and an Elvis, a a gospel Elvis tape, eight track. (laughs) We're trying to help him. He talked about laying on that floor in his bedroom and playing them over and over and over again. And I don't mean this mean, but your mom and daddy ain't going to leave you anything in this world. I love them. I know them. And I I don't mean this in any derogatory way toward my parents, but they ain't leaving me anything in this world. They don't have anything to leave. (laughs) 
but I'm headed to a land that I can't even in human words begin to describe what God has prepared for you and me. I can't even put into words, in human words, the inheritance that is waiting on the children of God. And it's all taking place because one day, by the grace of God, there was a heavenly father who stepped into your life and adopted you into his family. And by the grace of God, we're here this morning and we're headed there in the morning and we'll have an inheritance beyond this world. I'm done, thank you. The doctrine of adoption. Hope it's been helpful.